So, the last time we were here together, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. Do you guys remember that? It was like three weeks ago. Paul's on his road to, on their way to Jerusalem, and as he's, he's meeting up with people, new believers are trying to convince Paul, don't go. It's not going to be good. Uh, Paul has a prophet speak truth into his life that says, hey, Paul, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. He took Paul's belt, and he tied his hands and his feet, and he says, this is what is awaiting for you in Jerusalem. And then Paul's friends are are begging and they are pleading with Paul don't go and they're shedding tears and they're desperately pleading please don't go and Paul was willing to go in spite of what everybody thought he says I'm going to follow God's influence instead of man's influence and we looked at last a couple weeks ago and that's a tough thing to do we have people all around us who are speaking truth into our life and if you know something negative is coming it's a whole lot harder to go that direction even if God's asking you to do but Paul was a guy who says I'm going to go anyway. And today we're going to pick up where we left off, where Paul is finally going into Jerusalem. But before we do, let's again, let's pray and ask God's blessing. God, again, I just, I'm coming back to you to, to say, please just guide my mouth. Help me to, to speak your truth, to enunciate. I just pray that your Holy Spirit is real and alive and active in me to present this truth as we each need it. In Jesus' name, amen. So you, you see this guy up here on the screen. He, he's, he's got a scale. You know, it's kind of like the scale. And, and what's that supposed to be? A picture of a guy who's trying to weigh out a decision. And he's looking at the pros and the cons of the choices that he's trying to make. Now, I currently am I'm trying to weigh out a decision or two in my life. And I'm, I'm looking at the pros and the cons. I'm talking to people about what I should do. So this is a real thing that happens. And, and maybe you've recently or, or throughout your life, you've had to make a decision and you've determined that's how I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to weigh the pros and the cons before I decide. Now perhaps you're, you're working in a company and you already have a job but a promotion is lined up or a, a new opportunity on the job board opens up and you have to decide do I want to stay where I'm at or do I want to move on? You know you're going to weigh the pros and the cons. Perhaps you're going to get more money if you go to this higher position but you're not going to get the hours that you want. Right, you're going to weigh the pros and the cons. Maybe you want to make a move. You know, you're still going to stay in Plevna. You're still going to go to this church or you're going to stay in Baker. But you're feeling like, man, I'd like to have a bigger house. And the pros is I'm getting a bigger house. It's everything that I've ever wanted. But it's going to cost a lot more. And so you've got to weigh out, do I, can, can my budget handle this? Do I really want to clean three bathrooms? You know, do I really want to repaint? And you weigh the pros and the cons to say, is this really worth it? Or maybe you are a high school kid. You know, you, you want to go off to college, and you're trying to decide what college am I going to go to. You weigh out the pros and the cons. You know, if I go somewhere close, it's going to be cheaper, and I can stay home, have home-cooked meals, which are a positive thing. I have home-cooked meals, and life is good, but I want my freedom. I want to go far, far away, even though it's going to cost me, and I'm going to weigh out, do I want home-cooked meals, and do I want cheap housing, or do I want my freedom and have to get a job? and have to make life work. You get it, right? Pros and cons of life in order to make a decision. Well, ministry is kind of the same way. There are pros and cons to doing ministry. Whether you're going to be a missionary in Africa, or you're going to be a, a missionary in Utah, or you're going to be in ministry in your own church. There are pros and cons to deciding, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? 
And this is what Paul experiences in, in this passage today. He's going to experience the good, the highlight, all the good things that you can experience in ministry. He's going to experience some of the bad stuff. He's going to have to kind of know that's out there and put up with it. And then he's, he's going to have to suffer the consequences of the ugly side of ministry. And we're going to see how that kind of ties into us as well. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And hopefully by the time you get through today's message, you decide, yes, I'm still going to go forward. I'm going to still do ministry, even if it's going to have the good, the bad, and the ugly sides to it. So Paul, he's going to start out with the good side of ministry. Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 20. He's just getting to Jerusalem. It says, When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done through among the Gentiles through his ministry. Verse 20 says, When they heard this, they praised God, and then they said to Paul, You see, brothers, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of the Jews are zealous for following the law. So Paul gets to Jerusalem, and first off, he gets a warm welcome. You know, you think about men, uh, missionaries coming. What do they need? What do they want when they come to town? They want everybody excited to see them. They want you to greet them. They want the hugs. They want you to be excited that they are here. And that's what Paul's receiving. And that's a good thing. If you've ever been away and you come back home and if people are glad to see you, that's what's going on in Paul's life. It's a positive side. People did not forget about him. The second thing that he get, gets to experience is he gets to report the good things that happen in ministry, which means what? It means good things actually happen in ministry. While Paul's out on this missionary journey, God did good things, and now Paul gets the opportunity to share them. That, for somebody in ministry, is a highlight. God did good things, and I get to tell people. A few of the things that he might have brought up, if you want to turn in uh, just a couple pages to Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. At one point, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that touched him were were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's a pretty exciting thing. You know, I've never seen somebody touch a, a rag or a handkerchief and give it to somebody and see that they were healed. But Paul was do, touching these things and people were healed and he's excited about that. He says, look what God did through me. What could Paul do? He could wipe the sweat off his brow and give somebody a wet, stinky rag and that's it. But God chose to work through Paul so that lives were changed. That's exciting. Acts 19, verse 26. It says, and you, Paul had convinced, so Paul's, let me back up a little bit. There's a, a silversmith who's mad, who's trying to get rid of Paul. And here's what he's saying about Paul. You see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led large numbers of people here in Ephesus led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. Paul is sharing the gospel and that gospel is spreading and spreading all throughout Asia and Paul was a part of that. And Paul knows stories. He gets to church and he's excited to tell people, look what God did through me. 
And then there's the story of the dangers of falling asleep in church. The guy by the name of Eutychus, Paul's up there preaching. He's up, I think he says he's on the third story preaching. And Eutychus picks the wrong time and the wrong place to fall asleep against like a lattice window. Must have been comfortable. It's got that little bow like your bed. And he, he pushed a little too hard and fell to his death. Well, Paul went down all those flights of stairs and he raised him from the dead. Now, isn't that cool? I mean, wouldn't you love to see that? I mean, you, that would be on the, the 6 o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news. It would be on YouTube, repeated. It would go viral if that ever happened, right, in today's world. And so Paul has experienced, he's seen, he's taught, lives have been changed, and he gets to tell people about this. And what gets to be even more exciting is that people are excited too. People are praising God because of what Paul did through the Gentiles with the help of God. Pretty exciting stuff for a missionary who's been away from people for a long time, finally gets back to Jerusalem, and people are praising God. There's no better side than that. There was good to what Paul's ministry entailed. And you know, if you choose to be a part of ministry, whether you sign up to go to Africa or to Brazil, or whether you decide to help in Awana or teach a Sunday school class, or whether you're Connie making me food every day, right there is good in ministry. And, and you're going to experience good things through it. You know, one thing is that God is going to work through you some way, somehow. You might feel like... I'm the most inadequate person to be, ever be used by God. You know, I, I pray in the morning when I walk around here before church. I say, God, please help me enunciate. I feel like I, I mumble and I stumble. And I, I we heard a, a preacher on uh, the second Sunday we were at. I'm like, man, this guy can talk. I mean, Noah's like, he just loved that guy's message. And he, he was like polished. He's been speaking for like a year. I'm like, this is like David Jeremiah stuff. You know, he's polished and he just says it all right. Um, but you might feel like that. Like, I'm not capable. I'm just an average, ordinary, boring person. How could God do something with me? It, it's not you that's doing anything. It's God accomplishing something through you. The, the, probably the worse off you are on your own, the more God's going to use you because it's going to be his power showing itself through your life. I was talking with Steve yesterday and uh, just texting about message stuff. And, and I, we were, I was recalling this at times in my ministry of, of preaching where I, I'm, I don't know how to explain this. I know Steve gets it because it's happened to him. But sometimes I'm talking and it's almost like I am watching myself talk because I'm like, wow, this is coming out of my mouth. And I'm hearing this, too, as if I'm not saying it. And it's totally God speaking through me. I know I've done that with leading a kid to the Lord. I'm like, I'm just stunned by what is coming out of my mouth. And I'm the guy saying it. So God will work through you, whatever it is. People are going to praise God for your ministry. You know, if you do something great and you, or even if it doesn't feel like it's that amazing, you know, I'm going to pick on Connie multiple times probably. God is blessing me through her food. And I am praising God for Connie. You know, and food is, and, and my, it's a big deal to me, you know, but in the whole scheme of things, you know, my, I'm not, my life isn't changed drastically, but it's a little sign of ministry that, that she's blessing me for. And I'm saying, thank you, Connie. And I'm saying, thank you, God, for providing this for me. The third thing that I, is with ministry, when, when one person does ministry, it encourages other people. You know, I'll tell you, when I hear about ministry that people have done and, and what God has done through that person, I am challenged. I am encouraged to do more ministry. 
one of the things that I like to do when I go anywhere away from Plovna is to stop at thrift stores. And if I can, I try to pick up a book. The steal of the century is right here. Uh, it's a David Jeremiah study Bible that's like brand new. I mean, there's no lines, there's no names. It looks like someone stole it from a store and stuck it on a shelf. Um, that's one, that, and I, I didn't have it with me, otherwise I wouldn't have it with me anymore. Uh, this Another book that I bought uh, for 50 cents was this book called Jesus Freaks. And if you're not a, uh, familiar with it, it's a story about people who have died for their faith. People who have, over the centuries, have gone through, they've gone through torture, they've lost family members, all sorts of things. People have suffered for their faith. Well, I bought this book for 50 cents. And I had this book for all of about two days. I, I've read it before, but I was only like four stories into it. And our second Verbo, which if you're not familiar with this is, I didn't know what Verbo stood for. Um, it's vacation rental by owner. Our second Verbo, I left that book. And I, I left it with a note, and I said, thank you for this nice cabin. I, I hope you enjoyed this book of people who gave up their life for their faith. You know, something along that lines. And I left it for, the, for that owner. Do you know why I did that? Anybody want to take a wild guess why I did that? Or where did I get that idea from? The Gideons. You know, how many stories have you heard where the Gideons left a Bible in a hotel room? Somebody's on their, the end of their rope. They're ready to, to end it all. And they find this Bible and they read it and they get saved. I mean, that to me is exciting. I got goosebumps all over. I mean, if you can see, I just, it just energizes me and makes me excited. That's where I got this idea from. Because I heard God doing something through somebody else's life, I said, I want to do the same thing. That book cost me 50 cents. It, I'm, I'm not great. I'm not wonderful. But I was encouraged by somebody else his ministry so let me ask you what ministry are you involved in you know what are you doing inside this church's ministry you know helping in Awana VBS Sunday school things like that or what are you doing outside this church where God's working through you is it, is it Sunday school VBS those kinds of things Bible study uh, you know did you happen to share the gospel with somebody at some point and lead them to the Lord you know, did you pray with someone and see an answer to your prayers or they were encouraged? If you have any stories like that, I want to hear it. I will be excited with you. And I will be like these brothers who heard what God did through Paul and they were excited and they were praising God. Don't, don't feel like you're breaking on yourself because I already know like you know. It's not you doing it. It's God doing something through you. And that's the good side of ministry. If it was like that every day, I bet everybody would want to do it. You get just a little taste of it and you have all that success, you're going to want to do it all the time. If you haven't tried it, you've got to try it. It's, it's definitely a high that you want to be on. But just like everything else, there is the good side of things, but there's also the bad side of things. And Paul has to experience some of the bad side of ministry as well. And this is where people go, wait a second, put on the brakes. I'm not sure I want this. Okay, and as we go through this, you might be like pushing the brakes down harder, like I do not want this. But that's what Paul was willing to go through and something we need to consider going through ourselves. So the bad side of ministry, verses 21 to 29. It says, so Paul, Paul gets to Jerusalem and he starts hearing these rumors going on around him. Uh, I guess I'll... I'll just read them slowly as we go through. But Paul, there's rumors going around when Paul gets there of that Paul is doing or saying something that he did not say, and Paul has done something that he did not do. Now, how many people here like rumors? 
They might be fun to share, but nobody wants rumors going on around about them. Right? If, if I know there's rumors going on about me, and I know they have at times, it doesn't make me excited. It makes me wonder, well, who knows what and who's going to do what because of the rumors about me. But Paul gets there, and there's rumors running about him that are falsely accusing him of different things. First, about that Paul said something that he did not say, verses 20 to 21. When they heard this, they praised God, and they said to Paul, You see, brothers, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed, here's the rumor, that you teach the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. Paul, rumors going around, not true, falsely accusing Paul of saying, Uh-oh, we're not following the law of Moses anymore, and no, we're not following we're not keeping the Jewish customs. That's not true. Paul has never said to the Jews, don't, don't follow the law anymore. You know, if they want to follow the law, that's fine. Paul's only thought about following the law is that you're not supposed to rely on that law for your salvation. The book of Galatians, it talks about people having just faith, and then someone weasels in there and tries to say, you've got to follow the law as well. And Paul, he, he defends and says, no, it's by faith alone in Jesus, not by following the law, not by doing good works not by circumcision, not by anything else. Salvation is only found in Jesus. So that's, if you want to say Paul spoke against the law, all he's saying is don't include that as reason to be saved. Your salvation is found only in Jesus. Paul actually says in Romans 7, 12, the law is holy and his commandments is holy, righteous, and good. Paul celebrated Passover. Paul joined in the festivals. Paul made vows. Paul circumcised Timothy before he took him on his second missionary journey. So no way is Paul saying, no, don't do this. He says the Gentiles should not have to do this. But Paul has no way said anything like that against the law. The, the law. But this rumor is going around that Paul said something that he did not say. And then it gets a little bit worse. Rumors get brought up that Paul did something that he did not do. So what happens is uh, Paul gets accused of, of doing, of saying these things. They try to make it right amongst, amongst the people. Paul tries to join in this uh, ceremony to try to convince people that he is still on target with the law. And then they, they, people see him and they, they like jump the gun and say, hey, everybody join with us. This guy has told everybody to quit following the law. But then also, uh, verse 28, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, here's rumor number two that Paul did something that he did not do. He has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled the holy place. And that is, a, if Paul did that, that would be a major no-no. Uh, but Paul didn't do that. He has this guy by the name of Trophimus who was joined with him on, on this trip to Jerusalem. He is not a Jew. He's not allowed into certain parts of the temple. Yes, there's like an outer ring where the Gentiles could go, but there was a complete stopping point where Gentiles do not go through this door. Uh, it says uh, Josephus, he's a Jewish historian, 
who said that on that wall which separates the court of the Gentiles from that of the Israelites was an inscription in Greek and Latin which stated that no stranger was permitted to come within the holy place under the pain of death. This was not something that Paul's going to, oops, we went through this door. It was something he would have to defiantly say, we are going to do this. And Paul didn't do it. He, he kept those boundaries. He said, I'm going to abide by those rules and not bring this guy in. But he, here he's getting accused of saying things he did not say and doing things he did not do. And that's bad. That's the bad side of ministry, of having people assume and rumors going around and you can't stop them and you can't control them. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. You know, even if you tried to stop a rumor, it's pretty impossible. There's a story of a of somebody who set out, who, who who spread a rumor around, and talked to the the pope, the priest, the pastor. What do I do? And he says, Well, go grab some chicken feathers and walk through town and spread them out. And then tomorrow morning, I want you to go pick them up. So she goes, and the next day she can't gather them all up because they have gone every which way. And she comes back and says, What do I do? And he says, You can't do anything about it. Those rumors are like those feathers. They go wherever they go, and you can't stop it. And that's what's happening with Paul. And if you have rumors going around about you because you're following Jesus, that's bad. Right? Nobody likes that. Nobody wants rumors for any reason going around about them. And so when it comes to ministry, people are like, why would I invite that trouble on myself? I can just live my own safe little life and have people like me and have everything go well. But I don't know if I want to cross that line where I'm going to do ministry and all of a sudden have people start to reject me because of it. Paul has this good side of ministry. People are excited. They're gathering. They're praising God. But then he hears about something ugly. And if it stopped there, that would be bad enough. But that ugly, that bad goes from bad to ugly. And all of a sudden he starts facing the physical consequences of the rumors that are going around. First of all, verse 31 and 32, Paul was beat unjustly. Uh, verse 30, I guess 30 through 32 says, The whole city was aroused, and the people came running from all directions. They seized Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw that the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So here it was, rumors going around, people aren't asking Paul. Paul for the other side of the story, which in Sunday school we talked about, the first to present his case seems right. You hear a, a rumor that's going around, it sounds good, but a rumor is just a one-sided story. It's just one side of what really happened. And all these people are jumping on this bandwagon, assuming Paul did and said what he didn't say or do. And so that's why it's getting ugly. And they start beating Paul. And if it, if it wasn't for the Roman guard coming down to rescue Paul, he would have been a dead man. He would have faced the end of life because of the rumors that were going around that were not true. He certainly would have died. And then it says in verse 33 that Paul gets shackled. He gets put in chains unjustly. The commander came and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. You know, this was really an act of protection. You know, if you look at it that way, the Romans were protecting Paul by putting him in chains and pulling him away. But if you, as, as you read through the rest of the story, this turns into be like a five-year prison sentence. Through the whole rest of the book of Acts, Paul is in chains. 
because of the rumors that somebody started that were the bad part of ministry quickly became the ugly part and he's in chains until the end of the book. Five years-ish. Maybe more, at least five years is from what I understand. He was in chains. He was in prison. And that would, that's a, a tough place to be. And also, and thinking about this, there was a riot that was taking place. To the Romans, this was like an unforgivable thing. But if, if, you, if you could understand what I just so quickly said, who was it that ended up in chains? Paul. Who was it that started the riot? It wasn't Paul. He was the one guy that was innocent. Everybody else decided to beat Paul and make this big mass... Uh, mob to get rid of him. And Paul was the only guy who got in trouble. He got hauled away and he's going to have to try to defend himself for the next two or three years before he finally gets to Rome and then try to defend himself there. So he's the only guy who's getting in trouble for the problems that were caused by everybody else. I would call that the ugly side of ministry. I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. Rumors are going around about me. And then I'm the only guy who's getting into trouble. But Paul says, I'm going, I'm going to go with this. He's, he's trusting God and he's going to do ministry no matter what it costs him. And then he, he finally gets falsely accused in verses 34 through 36. All the people are trying to tell the Romans how bad and awful he is. And then in verse 36, it says the crowd that followed kept shouting, away with him. They're still trying to get rid of Paul. They don't care if he's killed. They don't care if he's stuck in prison forever. They just want to get rid of Paul. Tough place to be. Everybody all of a sudden is against you. And you're in ministry. You're trying to please God. You're trying to do what he wants you to do. And you're not getting any of that good stuff anymore. A good time to quit, right? It's good. I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to go. Nobody likes what I'm saying. Nobody likes what I'm doing. So many people, the good's being outweighed by the bad. I, I'm done. Paul could have been like that, but he says, I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to keep focused on the ministry that God has called me to do. You know, you, you hopefully have enjoyed the, the thrills and the high points of ministry. I can think throughout my life and I can think of that time and that time and that time where, man, I was on like the highest mountain, the highest cloud. It didn't get any better in my life in ministry. But there's also those times where ugh, the rumors that are going around, that's, that's the bad side. And if you've ever experienced that, and I have, that's not... Good. You know, maybe it's that you're showing favoritism to somebody. Maybe they look at you and say, wow, you're so self-righteous because of what you're saying. You're so judgmental or, or some other rumors going around that's about you completely false because you were trying to serve Jesus in whatever ministry he's called you to do. That's a good time to quit. For a lot of people, they're like, I'm done. This is too costly. Uh, and they, they're done. And there's still, it can get so much worse. It can also get so much better. And if, if, you, if, you, if you bail out at the bad side of ministry, chances are you won't ever have to put up with the, the ugly side of ministry. And if you hang in there during the bad time of ministry, chances are you're going to have to get put up with the ugly side of ministry as well. You know, you might have people avoid you because of something of a stand that you took or some, some uh, ministry that you were a part of. You might have people avoid you that used to be your friends. 
That's painful. You might get rude letters left on your desk or mailed to you in the mail based off of, of a stand that you took or, or preaching God's word. You might get ignored by people. You might have people that snub you because of a stand that you took for the Lord. And that would, that's tough, right? That's, that's a bad side of ministry. That's an ugly side of ministry, but it couldn't get worse. It can get a lot worse. Your family might get persecuted. You might get physically beat. I mean, it's hard enough to attack me. You start messing with my family, I'm having a lot harder time staying calm and staying happy and staying in the game. But if you decide to do ministry, you might go through that. Your family might become get the biggest target on it it's ever had if you choose to follow Jesus. I won't lie to you. Ministry can be challenging. So why, why, why are we doing this? Why are we trying to do ministry? Why am I up here telling you how bad it can be? Right? Because nobody's going to sign up for this after hearing how awful ministry can be. Well, you, you think about Jesus. What did Jesus do? You know, he didn't, he didn't tell his disciples to, to do anything that he didn't do himself. You know, in our scripture reading, it says, uh, Mark 8, 34, 35, it says, it, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, Jesus didn't say, hey, disciples, this is what you need to do. And then he have a peachy keen life himself. Jesus had a miserable life from a lot of perspectives. He was born in a cold, poor family. He, as he tried to do ministry, he had people try to kill him. He had people reject him. He had his whole family turn on him at times because they didn't like what he was doing. He had all sorts of terrible time. And then he, he is taking up his cross. He literally did that. He got beat to a pulp. Right? He had to actually carry that beam down the street. And he got so beaten, so tired, someone else had to carry it for him. He had to get those nails cramped through his hands, that crayon, the crown placed on his head, and those nails placed between his feet. So Jesus isn't asking us to do anything he didn't do. Why did Jesus do that? Because he loves you. Because he says, you know what? This world is full of sinners. Everybody has done something wrong and everybody needs a savior. And so I know they can't do it on their own. And so I'm going to die in that cross. I'm going to take up my cross, literally get up on that cross and take the punishment for everybody's sins so that they can have eternal life. And if you, if you put your trust in Jesus and ask him to forgive you, he will give you eternal life. And Jesus isn't asking man to do anything more than what he did. Our, our simple short life of, of being persecuted for our faith, of, tr of trying to, to do ministry even when it's difficult, is nothing more than what Jesus did. He did so much more above and beyond. He suffered more than what any of us could ever imagine. So I just want to encourage you. Are there, are there pros and cons of ministry? You bet there are. Sometimes that mountaintop experience is so high you can't believe. It's, a, it's higher than 800 feet above the water. It, does, it gets so much better than that. And sometimes that, that sail drops and it's, you're just barely surviving. And you, you hear the rumors going around about you. You know that people don't like what you're doing. And then sometimes you're in the water and you're, you're getting beat up. You're getting rejected. You're getting ignored. And... 
and you want to quit, but don't quit. Ministry, yes, it is tough. Do the, the pros always outweigh the cons? No. On this earth, chances are they will never outweigh the cons. But when you die and you stand before Jesus, and he says, Darren, well done, good and faithful servant. It, all that bad stuff just falls apart. Right? All you have is the good, and you say it was worth it. When God rewards you for the ministry that you did, you are glad at that point that you never gave up. But the, the, the question is up to you, or the, the, the answer is up to you. Are you going to be the person who takes up your cross and does what God asks you to do in spite of what it costs? Are you going to follow Jesus, be willing to suffer the good and the bad of ministry in order to lead somebody else to the Lord? Jesus did that for me. I should consider strongly doing that for him because God loves everybody else out there as much as he wants loves me. And he's asked me to do that. And I should be willing to do that. I'm just going to close in prayer. And I'm going to ask God to help me, first of all, to experience more of those highs of ministry. They are awesome. But when those times of bad times in ministry come and I want to quit, or if it gets so bad and ugly that I say, I'm out of here, that God would give me perseverance for another day, for another moment of ministry, to be faithful to the very end, just one day at a time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for ministry. God, I, th I thank you for the people who uh, risk life and limb throughout the history and throughout the centuries in order to pass the gospel along so that we could have it here today. I know, God, there were lots of good times in people's lives, such as Paul's. I know, God, there's lots of bad days, and there, there, there's even lots of ugly days. People are dying for their faith, and people are losing family members and jobs and, and friends, and I know, God, it's really, really difficult at times. I just pray for myself, and I pray for anybody in here who wants to be determined to be faithful in ministry that you would help each of us to experience those highs in ministries and to be able to share those with people and get excited and worship you because of it. And when we face those down days or those ugly days in ministry, I just pray that, God, we would be encouraged to keep on going because we know ultimately one day we want to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. You did it for us, and help us to be willing and faithful to do it for somebody else. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.